Three, two, one, and we are back. It is Sunday. What is the day? I don't even know what day it is. The seventh. Yes. Oh, it's my mom's birthday. Of course, I know what day yeah, it is. You do. <laughs> so happy birthday, mom! <laughs> my mom turns eighty today, um, and uh, she lives with us here in Puerto Rico. It's um, sometimes I think we're living with her, but nonetheless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She had me take a picture of her driving the golf cart this morning because she said her relatives wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's probably right. <laughs> well, you know, that golf cart of hers we got for her has turned has uh, turned on her a few times. It has. I always have rescue missions at the ready. <laughs> yeah, when mom rolls around in her golf cart, Julie's always basically got her cell phone literally on her hip in case mom gets stuck someplace. The first time she went out by herself, she literally drove it up a tree. It took about 10 minutes. <laughs> She's not so good with reverse. No. Well, she got to figure it out. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's see what kind of golf cart, you know, NASCAR driving you're doing. You're 80, lady. Well, that's true. Exactly. I have to be as, half as competent. Bag on my mom on her birthday. <laughs> How dare funny. you? Anyway, so listen, this is our informal Sunday uh, debrief show where Julie and I have no particular agendas. We talk about whatever's on our minds. Um. And we relax, and hopefully you guys are feeling the same way. Julie and I intentionally stay away from our offices, stay away from anything that smells like, you know, work, because you have to step out of the, you know, kitchen occasionally to catch your breath. And certainly, in this day and age, with everything that's going on, and I'm not going to bring all the current, you know, plight that's affecting our country, I'm not going to bring that into today's show, but look, guys, if there's ever been a time for you to forcibly debrief yourself or unplug, it's now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, somebody said if you could uh, give the year 2020 a candy flavor, what would it be? And that was a pretty funny discussion back and forth. But people eventually settled on, uh, remember in Harry Potter, Birdie bots every flavor beans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you never quite know what you're going to get. Some of the beans are earwax flavor and some of them are cherry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the discussion eventually settled on, yes, it would be every flavor bean, except most of them would be something like coal or earwax. We actually got Zoe a bag of that candy. And I don't, and, the, and so, what was it, it's Jelly funny. Belly or somebody? They're, yeah, I think it's Jelly Belly. They're so Jelly Beans. They actually created, uh, you know, this... Birdie Bots. Birdie, Birdie Bots, you know, Jelly Beans, and you can get them in a package, the whole thing. And, I, and Zoe quickly learned which ones taste good and which ones taste bad. And let me tell you, the ones that taste bad, Ugh. I have. I cannot imagine the mad scientist that <laughs> sat horrible. around in a lab someplace Truly and said, wild. "No, no, Bob, come here. Try this one. Try yeah, this one." I can. Yeah. That no, Bob, you didn't heave. We're gonna hear. <laughs> it's me, not bad enough. Let me throw in some more. Whatever this was that makes it taste really and smell oh. just horrible. That stuff's the real deal. It is. I guess if they can make stuff taste really good, they can make stuff taste really bad. They know how to do both. Apparently, <laughs> gross. Witchcraft and alchemy. Yes. <laughs> well, so Julie, what's on your mind? Well, you sent me an interesting article this morning in the topic of anything goes in 2020. Uh, and I, it reminded me of a movie that we saw that we both liked called Contact. And it was based on these, um, what are they called? Consistent pulses. Can we tell a Jodie Foster story when you're done? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, that's kind of what it reminded me of. But uh, yeah, they have detected with all of the uh, fancy detection stuff, especially out of Australia, these... Um, consistent it's not radio waves but they're electronic like they're pulses they're pulses but yeah. they're consistent and they're they are nobody's nobody's nobody knows exactly where what's creating them they used to think that they were created from black holes right but because the there's are four different specific locations and they're they're on the edges of different galaxies that would would show that they're not um 
actually from black holes. You have something written on your hand. It just reminded me of something. Don't worry about it. You write in your hand at your age? Yes, when I can't find paper. Oh, okay. What did you write down? I was reminding myself about birdie bots. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. Let me see your hand. Oh my gosh, listener, she really does have birdie bots written down her hand. I don't want to forget about it. That's how much she wanted to share that story with you. It's written on the palm of her left hand. Wow, you are dedicated, woman. Be nicer, I will put a blue ink tattoo on your arm. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, so... Uh, Anyway, so there's these four different uh, locations of unidentified, but very consistent. It's every 16 days for about an hour at a time, these pulses are able to be identified. Well, that's exactly what they were tracking in the movie Contact. With Jodie Foster, which is probably, what, a 20-year-old movie by now, maybe 15 years. No, it's um, probably more like maybe more 25, yeah. Yeah, oh, but yeah. it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that movie, it's really beautiful. But the gist of the movie is is that there were these pulses, that radio waves that were and in, uh, intertwined into the radio waves was code, and they decoded it, and they then built this uh, machine, and the machine then took her to this planet. Um, and only she actually knew that she'd left because everyone else was observing the you know machine on the earth was not believing that it actually did anything because nothing actually you know there wasn't any actual movement they didn't get the concept of being able to you know essentially teleport or tra- right. tra- time travel exactly so th- here's the moral of the story <laughs> which is kind of crazy and I know some of you guys listening for the first time are going holy crap these people are wackadoodle how what does this have to do with real estate absolutely nothing that's the point that's the point of Sunday that is stuff that's out of your wheelhouse right. so that you can have a more clear mind with your wheelhouse that's exactly right and then you can be a constant learner because then it makes it when you go back into your wheelhouse then you're a little bit frostier than you otherwise would have been so the moral of the story here is, and these all this is all the crazy stuff that, uh, with regards to alien and interstellar travel that's happened so far this year, we reported two articles on our website. I just sometimes have our writers throw stuff up just to see if you guys are paying attention. <laughs> but the articles about the Navy actually releasing official footage of uh, F-18 fighter pilots seeing, identifying, filming, and discussing unidentified flying objects that's real, and it's re- as real as real can possibly be. So if you guys haven't oh, seen that, you can Google for the information or just go to our website, timandjulieharris.com. So in a, in a year of, what are they called again? A world f- where the, the jelly bean of choice is the... Uh, Birdie bots every flavor beans. That's right. So having <laughs> a actual potential contact with aliens, um, why not? I mean, why seriously, not? pile it on. I do think that, you <laughs> Let's know... Let's get it done. I, I, I have this suspicion that they've known about this for a long time and are just sneaking little bits of information out while we're all distracted by all of the other wackadoodle stuff. That's it does happening. seem like that, doesn't it? Because in a, in a normal scenario, wouldn't everybody be freaking out about this? I think they would. Or well, at least there'd be a, a ton of interest and in, in it's not even really making the major news channels. How long ago was it that the Pope came out and basically essentially said in one of his official speeches that, you know, it, essentially he was saying there's a very real possibility yeah. that, yeah... It well, was kind of like, I'm not saying that they're not out there. You right. know, he was saying, because we can't prove they're not, then maybe there's something there. Kind of a far-fetched thing for a pope to say, unless he had some sort of internal memo. All I'm well, saying. you never know. Well, so here's a Jodie Foster story. So <laughs> Jodie Foster, um, she's not really a very famous actor now, but any of you guys who are, say, I don't know, 55 or younger certainly know who she is. Great actress. And she Silence was... Silence of the Lambs was her Yeah, Silence, the original ones, not the ones that yeah. came after with Julianne for Moore. Sure. Right. Well, albeit those were good, too, but the original one is uh, with Claire. Claire. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So she um, she vacationed at a place a week before Julie and I vacationed at the same place called Post Ranch 
And if those of you guys who are in Central California, really Post Ranch is probably one of the most beautiful, magical, ridiculously overpriced places we've ever been. It's worth it. Yeah, it's totally worth it. I so, was skeptical, but I, I'm a huge fan now. We stayed there uh, for our anniversary. I don't remember which anniversary it was. And this is when we were more West Coast oriented. Um, and so we you know, we drove up the coast from Southern California. And it was just absolutely ideal. Like you guys in that part of the world are very spoiled. So we stayed at Post Ranch. And one of the nice things about Post Ranch is that it's very small. There's um, these beautiful, I don't know what you want to call them, villas or houses that hang over a cliff. And it's the, this cliff that when you're looking out these back windows, it's impossible to describe what... You, again, guys in California, you know what I'm talking about. How the ocean just seems to go forever and ever and ever. It's just the most beautiful, crazy thing you've ever seen. Stunning. It is stunning. It's shocking. And the other thing is, is being where it's located in California, it's not very warm. It's often chilly. I know. And we are, we'll get back to Jody Voster's story in a second. You guys will like it. So, um, we, Julie and I, when we were up there, we were going on a walk through this beautiful, beautiful, you know, redwood forest, pine trees everywhere, and off in the distance. Now, someone had warned us that there's wild turkeys that are in this forest. And, you know, whatever. Julie and I are going on our walk. And way off in the distance, we heard, <laughs> and Julie nearly peed herself because she didn't know what a wild well, turkey was. it wasn't just one of them either. No. And they got closer to us. <laughs> okay. It's like and, a flock of them. And the, up out of nowhere. A herd, and these things were freaking monsters. Yeah, these were clearly something that has no natural predator. They're, <laughs> they're you know, they they look to scale with the redwoods. <laughs> I, I bet you the tallest one, in all truth, he was probably three and a half, four feet tall. At least, yeah, he was a monster. Than Zoe. And they were not afraid of us. They were, they no. came out of the woods they just like you. just like some sort of weird, you know, prehistoric beast. And then they start walking on the path towards us. You know, all these huge freaking turkeys. <laughs> Well, finally, we got close to them, and they kind of went their way, and we went ours. But anyway, that was ridiculous. <laughs> okay, you know what? We're oh, going to tell them the other story, okay? What? Are you thinking the iguana Trust story? me, guys. The Jodie Foster story is worth it. We're going to tell you one more. All right, so um, Julie and I went to Post Ranch for a nice romantic, you know, getaway. We wanted to chill. We wanted to, you know, just, you know, relax. Have a nice romantic getaway. So this... Mother, it was Mother's Day weekend, so this mother and her two daughters um, rent the, you know, the whatever next to us, villa house, whatever it is, tree house, I don't remember what they called it. So they rented the one next to us, and and they obviously came there to celebrate Mother's Day, but they were a little bit louder than we would like. And they were drinking, and they were having a good old time, playing music really too loud, and just being really inconsiderate. You know, especially considering, you know, Julie and I wanted to just chill so at the very end of this property, there's this, we called it the cauldron. There's this massive stainless steel hot tub, which is beautiful, but it is in the sun all day. And did I mention it's stainless steel? So not only is the water hot, but basically this, the tub itself, even when it's cold and foggy it's outside. It's hot tub. Yeah, you're basically getting in there if you want to, you know, become human stew. It essence. reminds me, I remember the Seinfeld episode where Kramer was had a hot tub and he buttered himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so Julie like and I, that. Julie, there's these beautiful chairs that are sitting around. You guys should go online and just look at the pictures of Post Ranch. You'll see what I'm talking well, in about. In fact, their lead picture, I believe it's still the cauldron. Um, so we go down, then there's these chairs around the cauldron and there's the view and it's whole, the whole thing's beautiful. And we'd been there for like two or three days and we were chilling and then these loud ladies showed up. So we go down to the cauldron, and they're there, drinking it up, boozing it up, making all this noise. And Julie and I are like, these ladies will just not leave us alone. So we walked down the hill, like there was this little path, a little secret path that was behind the cauldron. 
and we walked down and until we were in these trees. And then Julie and I downloaded, right, this really happened. We downloaded an app of, you know, on our iPhones of uh, animal noises, tigers, lions, bears. And the best one was uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. You know, the best one was Bigfoot. Okay, so then, then we listened to the noises quietly just to figure out which one was scariest. And it was definitely Bigfoot. Definitely. All right, so then they, we could hear them from down the hill making all this ruckus. And we just wanted them to chill a little bit. Just be quiet. You, you know, I'm not, you know, whatever. We're being respectful, but they're not. So then Julie and I crank up the noise on our iPhones. Bigfoot. And then we start playing Bigfoot, and you should have heard how, I mean, you heard nothing. Those ladies just shut up instantaneously. It was awesome. True story. So then we come back up the little hill uh, to the cauldron, and they're clearing out. <laughs> of course, they didn't say anything to us about hearing noises. Hilarious. So they clear out. Are you going to find it? No, I'm, I'm reminding myself to re-download that because that's going to be great to mess with Zoe. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so then they go back to their, you know, their house, cabin, lodge, whatever it is, and we're staying next door, and whoop, the party starts again. Lots of horrible noise. But sure enough, guess what happens? Bigfoot may have followed them home. Because then Julie and I cranked up the volume on our iPhones again and started playing Bigfoot noises again, and they didn't make a peep the rest of the night. That's true right. story. This is a true story. It's a <laughs> note to self. How it, let's make this practical and applicable. <laughs> How else can you use that app? There's a, they're very authentic sound. I mean, I don't know for sure about Bigfoot, but it's, it's a really good unidentifiable something's out there kind of sound you should try to find it on your I'm iphone i'm definitely gonna find it you should try to find it now I, I think i'll tell the jody foster I'll, story i'll look for it hopefully it's still around well, well if see. you if just just google bigfoot yell you go you'll store. find it you don't even find it on the app store sweetie just right. go bigfoot yell and you'll find it like you just search for it all right so here's the jody foster story so the cauldron's on one end of this property and on the other end of this property is this, this nice restaurant i could tell you guys a, a russell brandt story too after this i'll tell you that one too Mm-hmm. Is it is Brand, right? Russell Brand, Brand big, Brand, tall, goofy-looking guy? Yeah, no, actor, whatever he is. Okay. All right, so we're at this um, restaurant, and there's this huge deck that's out. And, and there's it's pitch black there at night. There's obviously no city lights, nothing. And there's this astronomer who shows up, I think, two or three nights of the week, and he has this beautiful, gorgeous telescope. And he's, you know, an astronomer, so obviously he knows what he's doing. And um, so we're out there. Now, this joke is highly... Uh, nerdy and you guys might not I mean I'll have to explain it probably but hopefully you'll get the gist of it so in the movie Contact where she was going when she was teleported was um, do you remember Julie? Uh, Vega no Sirius Sirius it It was Sirius yeah so she was going to Sirius which was a um, you know basically it's Sirius is on the trying to remember it's on the west uh see north i forget which uh sky it shows up in but it's almost it it shows it shows up about halfway into the night and it's super bright and it it's it sort of pulsates okay and it's beautiful so if you you guys know what i'm talking about most of you do hopefully if not look for it tonight so serious we are looking out uh into the ocean from california and the thing was practically behind us right so I guess it would be in the eastern sky. And so she, that the astronomer, was sitting there telling us, because this place is a hotbed for celebrities to show up, because it's just, you know, it's maybe two hours, three hours north of L.A., I think. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of show up, and the hotel's policy is to not acknowledge them, not, you know, ask for autographs or whatever. And so this place is crawling usually with, you know, different types of people that are famous. By the way, we didn't know any of that when we went there. We just thought no. it looked cool in the pictures, and we wanted a place to go for our anniversary. That's a true story. So we're we're up there, and um, 
that we're looking through these this uh, you know telescope with this astronomer. There's other people around. It was really nice. And then the astronomer um, says Jodie Foster was just up there, and everyone had you know contact the movie was still fresh in everyone's mind. And you know he asked us if we'd seen it. Of course we said yes. And then he asked if we'd um, you know if we remember anything about it. Yes, they're trying to get to Sirius. Could you Google to make sure I'm right? Or do you I, find that you find the Bigfoot it, noise? It's, it's going slowly, but yes, you actually can. You can order something called Emergency Bigfoot. You can have howl, snort, roar, or groan. <laughs> Bigfoot sounds when you need them. <laughs> so it only costs ten bucks. No, that's too much, that, man. That's a, yeah, no, it's not an app. It's an actual little handheld. Device. Oh, I get it. Yeah, that's that's. I think if you we, can get it on Amazon. If next time, let's do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, so we're out there looking at the in the telescope, and then the um, astronomer. Remember, she was the star of this movie called Contact. She was trying to get to Sirius. You would think during the making of that movie, she'd at least know where the star was in the sky. She did not. <laughs> so no, the astronomer assistant tells us that she was just there, and he had to show her where this you know planet was that supposedly she went in this movie. I thought that was funny. Yes. I mean, so he had to spin the thing around and show it to you. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the joke, but that's our Jodie Foster story. Um, we could also tell them the Leonardo DiCaprio story. Should we From save the that? Same location. You same, yeah. Maybe we should save that one though. We can save that. One. Yeah, we guys. We, we, if you guys remind us, we'll up. tell you about Leo. Oh, and I'll tell you another story that we've never told you guys before. True story. Julie and I actually met James Bond at LAX. I we did that one. Not here in the Virgin okay. Private Lounge, yeah, and practically awesome. had martinis with James Bond. That that that's happened. Right. But that might be for a different podcast. You guys have yeah, to earn that story. A, that's a longer story. Yeah, you have to yeah. earn that one. But that was awesome. You should see. Julie's turning red right now. She's just thinking about the time she met Daniel Craig. She's beside herself. Hey, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So was it this time or a different time we were at Post Ranch where we ran Russell Brand? Was it a different time? I don't remember. I it's the same remember. trip. We need to go back there. We've been yeah, there tell me about it, sister. That's what our trip should be when we're allowed out. Yeah, don't put that ink on the chair. On the Yeah. All right. So we're... Um, we are actually, not really, now I'm thinking about it, we are actually in that same deck looking at stars, mm-hmm. maybe the same trip, maybe a different trip, we don't remember. <clears throat> and we were, we knew, we'd, uh, we'd saw Russell Brand when we got there, we didn't think anything of it. I mean, this is back when he was just broken up with, what was her name? Katy Perry, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, he'd just broken up and he was like... You know, everyone, it was Team Katie or Team Russell and all this garbage from the 90s. Some of you, again, might remember, maybe early 2000s. I'm really not into pop culture. So we're up there and looking through the telescope. And, you know, Julie and I are sitting on this bench. <laughs> it's pitch black. I cannot see, uh, you know, I can only see up to about my wine glass. That's about it. I couldn't see Julie, and I certainly couldn't see the gal that's sitting next to Julie. And Julie strikes up a conversation, as she often does with strangers, with this gal sitting next to us. And I thought it was... Um, her voice sounded exactly like um, she's a Marvel superhero. I thought that's who it was. Oh yeah, I, I can't remember her name now either. But yeah. yes, yeah, um, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. So I thought it was Scarlett it's Johansson. Russell Brand just with a D on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought it was Scarlett Johansson. She totally sounded like Scarlett. So we started talking to her, and she was like really, it. really super sweet girl. Mm-hmm. Just really su- super nice girl. She start. She was, um, uh, you know, just started telling about her travels and. Just, I mean, we didn't know her from Adam. Julie uh, got her name, and we saved her name. Um, and just as a side story, we later Julie Googled her, and she found out that the gal's a, you know, I'd say a B B list actress. She's in, you know, different things on HBO. She's been in Shameless a few episodes, right? But here's the reason that she was really interesting. Her dad is a billionaire, and again, we didn't know any of this. This is just the people you stumble across. Her dad's a billionaire who owns 
pretty much all the hotels, all the most expensive hotels in England. And the really interesting part was she was best friends with the two sons of uh, Princess Diana, uh, Harry and Bob. I don't know what the hell are their names. I'm not into pop culture. <laughs> sorry. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to know <laughs> pop culture. But there's tons of vi- uh, uh, footage online of basically her hanging out with these two guys ever since they were little boys. And supposedly she's like part of their inner circle and this whole thing. Well, it doesn't matter. You never would have known on that night that she was connected to anybody for any totally reason. unpretentious totally. really nice girl yeah you'd I, never suspect her anything her personality and her conversation with us was um, more enchanting than probably even looking at the stars that night yeah she's a great girl so we're we're standing around the telescope and we're all three of us are sharing the eyepieces the astronomers putting us on different planets and she's having a great old time and we're just having a lot of fun together and then way in the like maybe i don't know 15 20 feet back we hear this voice, blah, 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 whatever the hell are you saying? <laughs> and then all of us spin around, and it's Russell Brand. And he looked, I mean, creepier than normal. I don't know how to express it. Yeah, maybe, do you guys remember when he was wearing that those, that white jacket? That that was like his, his thing. And he was wearing this white jacket that looked like it was five sizes too small. And so that he was standing back there with all of his, you know, black Jesus hair and all the whole thing, wearing this tiny little white jacket, calling, summoning, 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 summoning thank her. you, summoning yeah. her. Yeah. So she comes over and she, you know, uh, hangs on him a little bit and kisses him. And, and then she, she's like, come on over, look at the, you know, look at the telescope, look at the telescope. And he didn't want to do it. And she like finally talks him into coming looking. So we're sharing a telescope with Russell Brand. He doesn't give us, he doesn't even, he just, oh, how's it going? It just says little, you know, polite whatnots. And then, you know, Julie and I continue to talk with her because we had a nice conversation going. She was planning on moving back to England. She had no British accent. You remember that? She may have been hiding it, by the way. Mm -hmm. But she had no British accent. Um, and we were surprised that she was moving to England. So Julie and I didn't know anything about her, right? We didn't know that she grew up in England. We didn't know any of the things we just told you until later. Um, and so when she said she was moving to England, Julie and I have been to England, and we figured, well, let's give her some advice on England. Like, again, we didn't know, and I'm sure in <laughs> retrospect she must have been thinking we were fools, but who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, and so then they go into this restaurant, and then you know they sit in such a position that you have to walk past them to get out the front door. And when I walked in, Russell Brand was giving me this longest, like, I want to gut you like a fish stare that Very I think creepy. it Very was creepy. totally creepy. He was and, the weirdest dude yeah. ever. Yeah. And he know. just sat there in, in the restaurant, this, this long, you know, rectangle type thing. And he was, he and she were sitting in the middle. And so we had to walk past them. And the whole time we were walking past this restaurant, he just kept on staring at us. Kind and of exp- stink eye. Expressionless. It's like, what is your problem, bro? And in retrospect, I realized probably what was going on. He was uh, under such um, pressure because it seemed like the world, at least his world, was in, you know, on the West Coast, was so into the divorce that he had with yeah, his wife I'm for sure. having cheated on his wife or whatever. And it was all over all the you know yeah. crap news and just everyone was talking about it. He must have felt like everyone was against him. Yeah. So he must have been because I've seen he was on Joe, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. and he was completely chill. So he must have been going through a lot of personal stress and horribleness, and so Russell, if I you're, think li- he actually is pretty smart. He can. Oh yeah, he's definitely smart. Together, yeah. a good writer, and you know, just just what an interesting life he must have. But it was an interesting experience, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what's the point of you know? Is there a point? I I think that you know, on the normal podcast, we talk a lot about um, getting out of your own way and out of your comfort zone and being flexible and trying different stuff, and I think. You know, when I when we first went to Post Ranch, I, I'm 
I think even to this day, it might be the most expensive night we've ever no, looked no. in. The, the place when we went to Milan and yes, we didn't know it was, was Fashion Week more. and we were yes. walking around all those avatars. Milan and Fashion Week was probably yeah. more. We, but we, I, 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 that was I way didn't more. have the courage to do the conversion to figure right, out how much it was. It was in Euros and we didn't look. But, um, but anyway, I was kind of skeptical because like who spends that much on a hotel? But uh, it absolutely is worth it, and I can't wait to go back again. Um, you know, the the unintended meetings and who you run into. You know, the car shows that, that we like to go to are like that, too, the auctions. And just to sort of um, get out of your own three-foot world for a little bit and just kind of dip your foot into other people's is sort of interesting. Well, again, these are the experiences, and I, I suppose this might be, I don't know, I, us telling these stories... M- I'm sure that some people are listening through filters that are making them think that we're somehow being braggadocious or something like that. No, these experiences were expensive for us and still to do them now, we would just sort of laugh at the idea of spending that much money as Julie just did. Yeah. But here's what we learned is when you like when you have the ability, even if it means that you have to save to spend up to really truly have unique experiences, it's always worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, we could tell you a James Bond story right now, and it'll be up to Julie because it's mostly no, her story. Let's save that one up. All right, that's well, so long. yeah, that's a long story. But I mean, we could tell them the. Uh, we'll do it next week. Okay, we have a lot of stories. Well, so the moral of the story again is, you know what? You only live once, and you're dead a real long time. If you're going to travel to Europe, you might as well fly business class or first class. You might as well, you know, if depending what coast you're in, fly through the airport with the nicest lounge. You're going to trip over famous people and you never know when you're going to strike up a conversation with them and if not you're going to have conversations with other people who are having similar experiences and maybe they're just like you maybe they saved up for it maybe they're trying to have a really unique life experience or maybe it's just a normal thing either way you're going to be interacting with people that aren't like the normal people you interact with right there and maybe that you can attach yourself as julie and i are we remember those experiences and they're encouraging for us they're motivational for us those are experiences that we wanted to have that we pined away to have and then we have them and now we're still celebrating all those years later um, and had we not given ourselves permission to think big and to have you know to allow ourselves um the frankly, I don't even know what's the ability. Allow ourselves the, give ourselves permission to mm-hmm. make ourselves uncomfortable thinking big thoughts, and then having actually experienced them. What comes out on the other side of that is crap. Look what I just did. Look at the experience I just had. Now what else can I do with my life? Mm-hmm. And and these types of experiences are you know they're attainable. Well, I mean we're living right now. Just to put it in perspective, we're literally living in Puerto Rico, on the beach. Uh, and we live at the Ritz-Carlton, and there's famous people that come here all the flipping time. Not during the coronavirus, but Adam Sandler comes down here when every like during the season. I could have sworn that I saw Renee Zellweger last night. I didn't tell you this when we were on the beach at the probably. beach restaurant. Pretty sure. Yeah, Pretty sure probably. But there. I mean, Brooke Shields was down here. Mm-hmm. Oh, t- we, who, who's that? We went to that dinner, you know, late last year. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, hit me in a he was on Law and Order. Actor. He was a detective. He was called the most. How can you not? He was the most handsome man alive. Whatever his name was. I don't track all. Of yeah, that. we met I'll him. He actually came to our table when we were having dinner because he knew people there and said mm-hmm. hello. I mean, it was crazy. And, and the actress was there too. Remember she? Yeah, she was also in. Yeah, she was, in, in, yeah. Uh, in, yeah, she was uh, playing guitar and. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it just when you're listening to us, listeners, just I want you to remember something. Julie and I met in high school, in Worthington, Ohio. Okay, Julie's parents were teachers. Um, 
Julie's parents were, you know, middle class. My parents were business owners and usually, you know, scraping to be middle class. Um, she grew up on one side of Worthington. I grew up on the other side of Worthington. We met when we were in high school. And we had no inherited advantages over anybody else educationally. Certainly didn't come from family money. We had no family connections. We had nothing. But what we did have is the blessings of giving ourselves permission to think big. And then we sought out other people that would help to instill the, uh, I, I think really to reinforce the dream of thinking big. And we had a car cleaning and detailing business. We told you guys about that before. We had some incredible, very, very wealthy customers that were detailing customers. And they, I guess, saw the spark in us and some of them invested in us, you know, educationally, just saying things and being good examples for us mostly. Uh, yeah, and it carried forward from there. But what ultimately we learned from having our life experience up to this point, where I think we could argue we're midlife. Wouldn't you mm -hmm. say that we're midlife? Yeah. Is that you can really do anything you want to in this world. You can really accomplish anything you want to accomplish in this world. No matter where you came from, no matter what your race is, no matter what education you had or didn't have, no matter anything like that, it does not matter. What you just have to do is give yourself permission to think big. Think bigger than you are. Just really allow, and, and then what you, the greatest gift we gave ourselves, I think, when Julie and I, you know, for the past, you know, we've been married for almost 30 years, is putting ourselves in positions to have the experiences that reinforces, uh, reinforce the, uh, the, the dreams. And so when you act, it's one thing to, you know, read a magazine or watch a movie or something and say, wouldn't that be nice? It's another thing to fly there, drive there, go there and breathe the air. You know, to taste the taste, to smell the smells, to actually experience what it's like. I remember when we first uh, got married, we couldn't afford air travel. And so when we'd want to get out of Ohio because the winter was so bad, we'd literally drive down to Florida. Long-ass drive. You can do it in 24 hours. Well, you don't in the stop. summer, we went way out west several times, several yep. years. We used to have a little, when we got married, we had this little Miata. It was a 1990, you know, blue Miata, Mariner blue Miata. And we used to drive that damn thing everywhere. A great little car, and uh, we uh, another place. We Julie just said it, we drove out to Seattle, you know. But when we drove down to Florida, we would go to the places that um, you hear about. We went to Palm Beach, we went down to Miami, uh, we went down to Key West, we went down to all these places that were places that we dreamed of when we were kids that we could drive to. And we realized when you're standing there, and you know, when you're standing you know, at the top of the Eiffel Tower, or you're, you're standing. You know, in places that were only in you know books when you were growing up, and you're realizing you did it, then you think to yourself, "What did it actually take to get to the Eiffel Tower? Right? What did it actually take to have this experience where you're buying a new Lamborghini or you're buying not one but several new Ferraris? What did it actually take for you to get to the point where you pay off your student loans or you sell a hundred houses your first year in the business? And then you think back, it really it was a lot of work, but it wasn't as much work as what my ego told me it would take yeah. to accomplish that goal. It wasn't actually as much as you thought it would be. And I think that that's what stymies a lot of people. You know, we see that when we do goal setting with agents because they always just throw some crazy number out there. You know, what would it take to move the needle in your life? Okay, maybe in the five areas of life where you've got personal, or your physical, financial, educational, spiritual you know, what would it take to move the needle? And people always think it'd be like, well, I'd have to earn a million bucks. No, you don't. You don't have to earn a million bucks. You probably have to do one or two more deals a month than you're used to. Probably that's what it would take for you to pay cash for things instead of charging them, for you to really make a dent in whatever you owe if you're not already debt free, 
for you to fly first class instead of steerage class. Well, that's that's slightly disingenuous, though, truthfully, because if you're, I'll tell you what the biggest breakaway in mm. you and I with accumulation of, of wealth. Saving incrementally would be. Saving incrementally was the first thing. Going yeah. to the going to the point where you have we had we started at less than zero. Julie and I got married when we were twenty and twenty one, and we had what fifty or sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt, mm-hmm. which we paid off our first year in real estate. By and the way, we had some credit card debt. Yeah, and you know. We weren't debt free. That's for sure. So the, the the point of it was is that w- what we learned was first of all, well, we had to live below our means, but selling a hundred houses our first year in the business gave us the money to pay off those debts. Mm-hmm. And the what we learned after that was is the first thing, and we talk about this. We did a series of podcasts on this. We talked about this last week. Yeah. Do we have to find those podcasts yeah. and uh, re- replay them as replays? Because that was really good. I thought some mm-hmm. of our best. Anyway, what are they called? Do you remember? Uh, you have a moral obligation to be rich. So yeah, you have a moral obligation. We'll do that over the Fourth of July weekend. Or That's something. a good idea. You have a moral obligation to be rich. You guys should go to timandjulieharris.com or iTunes or Stitcher. But we did, I think, four or five uh, topics mm-hmm. on that where we'd really broken it down. How essentially um, we studied. N- not we don't talk at all about what we did, but we studied what other people did, and we made it very practical and tactical to accumulate wealth. It's really not that big. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. So without breaking down the little steps and making this into a typical you know, podcast or coaching call, uh, all I'm trying to tell you guys is you can do it too. All you've got to do is replicate what other people did. Yes. But Julie was talking about essentially living off transactions. This, the fact is, is having a transactional-based lifestyle sucks. Right, it, but all I was saying is you have to first figure out how to have regular income for, sure. for you to unlock the rest of it. Right. So having transactional based income is never going to allow you to accumulate no. unless you obviously have a crap ton of transactions coming from a bunch of different sources. But at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to get to the point where your income sources are passive and to which obviously, right? I didn't say anything that no one's going to disagree with, right? Wouldn't I love passive income? But the reality of it is, is that people don't get there because they don't know how to do passive income. So I'll give you some for examples. I'll give you the hardest passive income source that you could possibly have. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to include investing in businesses, but it's definitely rental properties. Julie and I have dozens of rental properties. And let me tell you, if I knew uh, now, if I knew then what I know now, I, know, I don't think Julie and I would have invested so heavily in, in, in rental properties. We can talk forever about that. But the reason is simply is that, yes, it's a source of income, but it's definitely not passive. Even if you have property managers, it's definitely not passive. And in most cases, if you are really, truly looking at the net income you're going to get from even a paid-off rental property in Columbus, Ohio, where we have a bunch of them, that's worth, say, two hundred grand, you're going to make maybe a 1000 bucks. That's about right, right? Yeah. You're going to make maybe a 1000 bucks a month off of it. So for you to make a thousand dollars off of a rental property, you have to have two hundred thousand. You have to have that damn thing paid off, and then you take into consideration the property taxes, the maintenance, and the upkeep, and the you know if you have a property manager and all that stuff. And I got news for you guys in America: you think property taxes are going up or you're going down? If you think like in these states that have crazy property taxes, do you really think that you know with all these states and municipalities running dry of money because they're fearful about? You know, basically, they lost all the sales tax income and all these other, you know, taxing sources because that's where the government makes its money is by taxing you. Do you really in licensing fees and all that stuff? Do you really think the government's going to uh, just? What are they going to do now that they your local state that you guys know where property taxes goes? In a lot of states, the property taxes backstops the the uh, public workers union pensions. And so not in Ohio, but in some states, 
the money that's paid to property tax, some of that goes to making it so that the the local teachers' pensions funds never run dry. So what I'm trying to tell you is property taxes are going up. So the whole idea that rental properties are the home run that they were, say, in the 70s and the 80s and maybe the 90s, I'm not sold on that idea anymore. So there's, there's, you can make rental property that can be a great source of passive income. And then you go up from there. So your business is not passive income because you have to do it. So where else do you get passive income? You can get passive income from buying um, dividend-paying stocks. There are certain stocks, and you guys can research this yourself, or if you're interested in enough, tell me about it, and we'll do a podcast on it. But there are some stocks that have been paying dividends for 30, 40, 50 years. And a dividend literally is you, you, you buy a, a share of this company for 100 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it is. They will pay you on average maybe 3% or 6%, and some of them pay 10% per month. So you, some of them pay quarterly, some of them pay monthly. So you can, the same amount of money that Julie and I put into real estate, had we put that into dividend paying stocks, I haven't done this analysis and I probably won't because it'll be, <laughs> it'll be too depressing, but I can pretty much guarantee you that we would be making more net income per month off those dividend paying stocks, yeah. not to mention the appreciation of those stocks and we would off the rental well, properties. I think there's probably no way that that's not true simply because of the care and feeding of rental properties, right. the time and the time management, but also, you know, you do have capital expenditure with each property. There's, I mean, there's been a few years where a few properties haven't needed anything, but by and large, I mean, I'm doing two basement bids right now. Yep. They need stuff. Stocks don't need, you know, their uh, American Home Shield warranties on them, for example. And look at um, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, right? His yeah. biggest holding is Coca-Cola. Why? Because Coca-Cola is a loved brand and a loved product with no real competitor all over the world. It's a global product. Um, and they've paid dividends. They've paid their shareholders a dividend, I believe, every month for something like 50 flipping years. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. So you're buying into a Coca-Cola. You you know put money towards Coca-Cola. They're going to pay you uh, a percent of their profit every single month. And that stock is also going to go up in value. So there's that. Now... So that's something that if you wanted to create passive income, that's something you could do. Um, Beyond that, you do have to have, uh, as far as creating passive sources of income, you could do things that are essentially tied to affiliate income, and you could do things like that. You could have an investment in a business, but again, then it gets a little sketchy because the investment in the business, you have to be invited to be an investor in the business. And that business itself has to continue to thrive. To be viable, right. And and that's the other thing that's fascinating. Julie just said it. Like when I looked at a list of the best dividend-paying stocks, I did this for one of our coaching clients the other day because they're looking to diversify out of real estate. And it was funny, the ones that were listed on, you know, lots of them are REITs, lots of them own uh, commercial real estate. And then I looked to see what the holdings are of the commercial real estate. And a lot of them are holding real estate that is leased by the gap and things like that. Well, I happen to know the gap hasn't paid its leases in, for like two months to one of the largest, um, you know, malls in the country and they're going to litigation. So why am I telling you that? Because you really got to drill down and know what you're doing. No risk-free investing exists anywhere, and we're certainly not experts at it. All I'm trying to tell you is where you want to get to as fast as possible is you want to get to the point where you have passive income. But in all the years that I've been alive, I've never seen anything that has the potential to create as much passive income for especially real estate people as EXP Realty. Absolutely. I haven't. I've never seen anything like it. And it's interesting. Brad did. Brad Inman did his... Um, 
his online because of COVID, uh, you know, whatever he calls it, the summit or whatever it was mm-hmm. last week. It looked like it was pretty cool. It looked like yeah. he did a great job. Mm-hmm. And it, like when all these technologists were talking about sort of the greatest thing ever, though, and when the conversation was about brokerages, they all were saying basically EXP Realty is going to be the thing that's going to really kick some serious ass going forward. There really is no comparison to what EXP Realty has and what they're creating in the marketplace. They are the biggest disruptor to happen in, um, certainly from the brokerage side of things ever. There are no comparisons. No, I mean, I often think about how our business trajectory, our real estate practice would have been different had we had something like EXP back then. Can you imagine? We literally would have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars. We would have saved millions, probably, probably. truthfully. Yeah. Yeah, because if you got, if, so the way and, it, and without having any less, any fewer services, you actually get more for a lesser amount of expenditure. I was just, you know, exploring this. And if you look at what EXP is offering as far as, for example, their technology, right? Mm -hmm. So an individual practitioner, even a small, medium-sized brokerage or a team, all the crap you have to pay for, it's no wonder most teams and brokers don't make any money. I mean, in between your CRM and your lead generator and your platform for this and your website for that. It's all pieced together, too. Right. It's all pieced together. And then there's the, you know, the CRM that strings it all together that charges you $800 a month. And there's all this... You know, all these spinning plates, basically, that all require that you, you know, feed them judiciously with money. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that your brokerage, you're not, well, I have to have that. And then you're saying, okay, I got these, I want to build a brokerage. I want to build a team. So I have to attract agents and those agents all demand that they have leads. And then you're buying leads and you're spending all this money. Um, and this this is just how the marketplace has evolved. You can't be a team or a broker nowadays and say, I'm not going to provide you technology solutions. You right. won't have anyone wanting to join you. Even if you're a flat fee broker, you're still going to have to basically spend money to get agents to want to join you because they know that if you're not spending the money for them, they're going to have to spend the money for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would rather have you have that recurring expense and not them. Real <laughs> Agents are yep. not dumb. Nope. So uh, what EXP Realty has done, really, from a brokerage agent perspective, is transformative Mm -hmm. it truly is especially at a time where the market is shifting um so quickly and it's going to and i know right now we're experiencing i don't want to make this sound like a real estate (laughs) podcast too much today but we are definitely experiencing a mini boom and it's not going to last if you don't believe us just look for all the other reports that are going to start coming out um what was it core logic said they're expecting that there's going to be nationwide depreciation for the first time or for the third time in the history of the country, Great Depression, Great Recession, and whatever's coming next year. Mm-hmm. So there are all kinds of seismic changes that are going to happen um, to home values. You know, Don't worry too much about it. We're going to keep you guys way ahead of the curve. You're going to be able to adapt and change, and you're going to be just fine. So again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole with all of you, but what I'm suggesting all of you do is urgently, like when Julie and I are talking about wealth accumulation, the first thing you have to do is you have to get a hold of your expenses and your overspending. Because if you don't, then you're going to be wasting money on a CRM that you could get for free if you already XP. You're going to be wasting money buying leads that you could get for free if you already XP. You're going to be doing all these things that with your money that you otherwise could have been using to invest or pay off debt. And so this is the reason that um, you have to take a serious look at EXP. But the one of the things that I've seen, and it's almost like I don't know. You mean you say this? You say it's a gift from the real estate gods, Julie. Yeah. But the revenue share opportunity that you guys have at EXP is extraordinary, and you have the ability to create the very definition of passive income at EXP that mere mortals like all of us have never been able to experience. Look, if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, if you are, you know, if you are born with connections, you're going to have 
an opportunity to put money into something that will maybe create passive income for you, a business startup, uh, you know, a, a pre-IPO, uh, all these different types of things. So you're going to have opportunities and angles that mere mortals won't have. I mean, some of those opportunities come our way now at this point, but they certainly didn't when we were younger. But we knew kids that were raised with silver spoons in their mouths that had an unfair advantage that, you know, would oftentimes gloat about it. And I can see why, because they really did not have to work as hard as we did. We, they certainly did not true. have. Yeah, they didn't. And um, EXP Realty is for every single one of you listening, real estate professional, um, you know, brokers, agents, whatever, big brokerages, small brokerages, you have to take a serious look at this. The revenue share model that Glenn Sanford thought up, you know, over 10 years ago, will make it so that every single one of you listening have the opportunity to create true passive income in the purest sense. I was watching a video of, of uh, Glenn talking about this. I'm not sure how long ago it was. And this is one of the things, reasons that Julie and I decided to um, align with EXP. I was watching this video and he was talking about, you know, he, he was, he's got a little slumped in his chair and he started to look down. And he started talking about how he started EXP Realty because he, back as a result of the Great Recession, was on his heels financially. And he said he saw a lot of his friends going through the same things. So he started EXP Realty at the very at the very moment that he saw essentially the industry and especially the agents failing and suffering needlessly. And he had the, the thought, right, the epiphany. What if I can create a brokerage where I can actually make it? So not only can agents have a superior experience on the brokerage side, but also uh, build passive income for themselves. How would I do it? How would I create it? And that's the kind of thing that's exciting about times like this because it's it's the creation of, Julie, what was that seed that only basically germinates when it's under tremendous oh, pressure and heat? Pine. Talk, tell them that yeah, story. Well, you know, and it, I think there's there's like a whole class of different trees and shrubs and things, but the most notable one is the lodgepole pine. That's what they used to put uh, make telephone poles out of because it was so t tall and straight. But those only actually germinate after a, not just a little fire, but like a super hot forest fire because the seed is encased in resin and the resin won't, won't allow the seed to germinate unless it's been melted off. So that's the catalyst, right? You only get those trees after a radical event or series of events, in, the, in its case, fire. These times are just like that. What's gonna come out of it? You know, what's the phoenix from the flames that we can see? It's already happening with EXP. It's, it was born from basically recession times and has always been a technology company. That's different than all the companies that are struggling to figure out, God, I guess I have to figure out Zoom now. I mean, EXP was born online. It is, and uh, once you have the experience of basically going through the virtual campus and you know, Verbella so and all these things. that's real, by the way. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> we, we let our six-year-old uh, uh, play on EXP World, and in EXP World, you walk around as an avatar. I know it's not, it, it you have to you have to see it to understand. It's an avatar, but in a professional work environment. So the avatar was her mama, Julie. And so Zoe was walking around. And when you get in the in the EXP virtual world, when you, you can walk and talk to different, like you can go to talk to the people in accounting. You can go and talk to your broker. You can go to talk to the marketing department. You can just go and put your, make your avatar walk through this actually lovely virtual campus. Um, and But if you go, if there's somebody else that's walking there and when you get closer to them, it shows what their name is. And you can actually have a conversation 
conversation with that person. So you could be literally walking, you know, down a virtual hallway at EXP and you could walk past, you know, Glenn Sanford, the CEO of the company, yeah. and you could stop and say, hey, Glenn, and you're talking, your, your avatar is talking to his avatar, but you're really talking to him wherever he is, right? Or, you know, if, if you're maybe searching for, you want to send a referral, you go to the Hawaii, let's say you're sending a referral from California to Hawaii. You can go to the Hawaii State Room in EXP. You can walk in there and you can say, you could just, you know, go up to different people and you could say, I, hey, this is, you know, Bob. I'm from Laguna Beach and I've got a referral for, and you can start making contacts that way. Or maybe you go there looking for referrals from Hawaii to California. There's so many, there's there's an actual, I mean, I could just geek out about no, it forever. It is more efficient than like, all right, I got to figure out, well, I'm going to go Google and see where's the brokerage in Hawaii. And then I've got to go look up, you know, do they have any kind of listing? Well, it's and, worse than that, right? You know, it's, it's just so much more efficient to just show up, walk into the room, get what you want. Well, but what, what do most brokerages do nowadays? They don't want you doing agent-to-agent referrals. Right. They want you going through their relocation department or whatever yep. so then they can get a piece. And yep. the agent receiving the referral on the other end is working for like 25 or 30%. Yeah. If they're lucky. Right. right after the broker split, after and they the may referral or may not have been the agent that you would have preferred to send your client to. Anyway. Exactly. So at EXP, they don't get in the middle of the transaction. But again, I'm going to go back to the the uh, the recurring revenue that you could get from revenue share. Mm-hmm. It literally is money that's wired to you every month from the agents that you um, sponsored at EXP. Some people get into EXP and they see what a huge opportunity sponsoring agents is. Others just don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to do it. They're not interested in it. And here's what's always funny to me. So the agents that we've sponsored at EXP, um, there's been more than a couple that have said, listen, Tim, I love the EXP. I love the technology. I love the commission split. I love everything. But if you ever ask me to recruit an mm-hmm. agent, I'm going to you know, virtually punch you in the face. I'm so, I said, like, fine. And so they joined EXP. And, and here's what's always, I've had this happen, I don't know, more than 10 times. So they join EXP, not going to be recruiting, not sponsoring agents. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I just want to, you know, whatever. Then all of a sudden, they announce their DXP. They get a call from agents, local agents. They get a call from someone who they know that's in a different state that sells real estate. They talk about it on Facebook, or maybe they don't talk about it on Facebook. They just change their e-card, and people notice it's a different brokerage, so agents ask. And then agents ask about EXP, and then the person who was so resolute and never wanting to sponsor agents is back on the phone with me or texting me and saying, Tim, I've got somebody who wants to join EXP. I've known this person for a while. What do I say? What do I do? And of course, I help them get that agent sponsored. So then all of a sudden, this person that goes from, I'm not going to sponsor anybody, now all of a sudden has found the passive income revenue share religion, <laughs> right. right? And then they figured it out because then they start realizing that they could actually create I mean, this is the painful thing to say. Mm-hmm. We're making more money from our revenue share, net income, than we do from having... I mean, it, it is emotional for me to say this. And I've said this before, and I can't... It's not any less emotional every time I, I say this out loud. But if I think about what you and I have sacrificed, truthfully... Yeah. Um, uh, we, we've always lived under our means. Obviously, we splurge on travel if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> Obviously, we live under our means. Well, well, we have for a long time until we didn't have to anymore. But we sacrificed. We worked harder than we had to. We, I mean, in retrospect, if we had revenue Certainly share. time. I mean, time, I, oh my I, gosh. And we worked on the nights. We worked weekends. We worked holidays. You know, this is when we sold real estate in our coaching business. It was We worked 10 times as hard as we did when we sold real estate. Yep. Doing what we did in the coaching industry, uh, trust me, all the stuff we've had to do to get where we are, it is so much work than being a successful agent. We sold over 100 houses our first year, right? It 
but and to, all the years after it right to build 100 to 200 all the years after for almost 10 years but to build what we've built in the uh, coaching business if someone had come to me and said tim this is what you're going to have to do to accomplish what you you know by the time you're 50 what you've accomplished i don't think i would i don't think i would do it i was going to say like no sale i'm not willing to sacrifice that much of my life for a coaching business no sale i'm going to figure out a different way to do it it's yeah. ridiculous and doing it nowadays would be a thousand times harder that's true uh, so rental properties what julie and i did is we would and this is when we, we didn't do this every year but this is what we tried to do we would always have ourselves in contract on a rental property because we wanted to keep ourselves under pressure to not overspend personally but also to have to save up the down payment to buy the property mm -hmm. so we would um we didn't very frequently buy our own listings but we would go and find houses for sale that we wanted to buy we do extendo closings on them and we tried to do a closing every four to six months and we would in that four to six months we'd go from one closing to the next Sometimes we'd buy these houses at a discount. So obviously that helped for you know, the sake of qualifying for mortgages. For years, we took out loans on all of these. Eventually, we paid all but three of them out off. And then after a while, we started saving up the cash to buy them. So during the Great Recession, we started buying a lot of houses. And it got to the point where we would save up $150,000, dollars $200,000. Now, I want you to think about that. To save up $200,000 after taxes... You'd have to save, you'd have to earn probably in our tax bracket, I don't know, 260 probably, something like that? Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, but w what does that mean? It means that we weren't doing a lot of fun crap that other people were doing. Yeah. You know, we weren't spending money and doing that. We were living under our means. And we did that for decades to get to the point where we could stay on that hamster wheel, where we could save up the money, where we could buy off, pay off the rental properties, where we could da 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 because we wanted to get to the point where we could live off the passive income from our rental properties. That was our financial North Star. And by the time we were in our very early 40s, we had accomplished the goal. We were exactly where we'd hoped to be, you know, and we had accomplished, we'd done everything we set out to do. And here's what we discovered. We actually needed to overcorrect yes. because of the vacancies because of the expenses you might have all your dozens of rental properties rented out and you might be making a thousand dollars net on them every month and you might think that basically you can live off that passive income but three of them need roofs two of them basically have leaky basements a tree just fell in the garage of one of them right yeah and meanwhile the property tax went up yeah meanwhile some moron in some state thought it'd be a great idea to uh, make it so that if you're uh, a not a resident of the state and you have property taxes now you have to pay a surcharge on i mean insanity yep. and so every single theory we had about rental properties started to just evaporate and so when people ask me about investing in real estate i think well it's a great idea to accumulate to build wealth but it's not the best idea and if you have a real estate license and exp is in what united states canada australia aggressively moving towards uh, new zealand i hear talks about central america mexico <laughs> i'm julian i have high hopes so that they come to our new home state of puerto rico well not a state but you get the idea so they're expanding all over the world the exp is going to be without a doubt the largest real estate brokerage in the history of real estate brokerages i, the, I cannot I cannot literally even think of a reason why that won't be true. There's no competitor that's anywhere near, and EXP has tremendous momentum. Well, and now it's got a huge motivator, which yep. is everybody going digital online, cutting expenses, getting smarter about their business. 
that's not going to go away. And you Especially go back when people have discovered, you know what? I don't really need to go to my real estate office. Right. It's okay. You know, I've been doing business for what, 90 days now based on my laptop and my phone. I'm good. And you consumers, they're yeah. not going to want to go to offices. They didn't want to go before. No, they I mean, didn't. when you and I sold real estate in the 90s to so the very early 2000s, mm-hmm. I can ca- maybe buyers would show up at your office, but they didn't want to. No. They'd much, much rather show up at, you know, the word Starbucks then. They want to go see houses. There were no Starbucks then, no, do you know that? I know. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> there were barely cell phones. Right, you're getting that ink on that couch that you left oh, on your hand, lady. Yeah, flip phones, I think. Yeah, we had. And, flip and thermal phones. fax paper. Right, <laughs> Thir- exactly. Um, so, moral of the story is is that you if don't you're need that stuff anymore, though, if you're in real estate, you need to seriously consider contacting us so we can get you started with the XP Realty. Mm-hmm. Just explore it. We have a window in the economy. You know what is this? Basically, June between June and I think realistically maybe October. We're going to have what feels like a decent real estate market. But after that, all indicators are, unless there's some serious changes in the economy, which cannot happen, just can't, you're going to have a definite slowdown in the economy on a whole, and not just the United States, but the whole world. So we're going to go through um, who knows what, right? I'm, my crystal ball, my, it's, it gets a little murky more than maybe six months out. It's too difficult to know for sure. There's too many variables. I mean, my God, we started out today's podcast telling you guys about freaking alien radio signals. (laughs) (laughs) We hell knows what's coming next. Who knows? You know, you guys don't misinterpret. Julie and I is laughing. We're laughing because what else can you do, right? I mean, the the changes that all of us are experiencing... It's just strange. We're all going to be sitting around in our rocking chairs in the you know old folks' homes a thousand years from now, and we're going to be going back. You know what? You may have that funny story, but let me tell you about the first six months of 2020. <laughs> right? It's going to be top that story. <laughs> you top that story. I got everything. I got locusts. I got aliens. I got pandemic. I got riots. You know, I got. I, I wonder the stories. I mean, Zoe's old enough. She'll remember all of it. We we were talking. You know, some of my mom friends were talking about. You know, are they going to be known as like the COVID generation? Are they going to be pandemic kids? But you know, I I think or about alien kids, alien kid, maybe they already are. I don't or know. locust kids. Well, but I I think about the massive impact that the depression had on my our grandparents. You know, because see, my now they were a little bit older than Zoe, but they absolutely had vivid more, memories of bring that. Bring more current. The, the, we always talk you know, about or the pe- even the recession. Trauma how about this? How about had. September 11th? Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, I vividly remember that. As do you. I'm, yeah. I remember no planes in the sky and no cars on the road, and you know, I remember our neighbor when we lived in New Albany. Then uh, the Bergesons. Remember, he said that he was he worked for AEP and he was in flight. And they said, okay, there's something going on. We're having an emergency landing. And he said that that plane landed, like, from 30,000 feet, he went down to landing in five minutes. So the moral of the story is there are going to be untold, lifelong, emotional emotional changes that's not just going to be people telling stories like we are now. It's going to change society. It's going to change everything. And the the problem, and and I think through this from a personal perspective, because we're human, we're selfish first, right? All of us are. So I think, where is it that Julie and I are essentially being obsoleted? Where is it that we're not really staying current? Where is it that we're being complacent? And, um, you know, that's something we talk about quite frequently. That's something that we're always thinking about for the sake of our business because we want to, you know, continue to be what we are. We don't want to lose what we have and we want to gain what we've had, just like all of you listening. Um, So when I think from a brokerage's agent perspective, if you are not with EXP or if you're not on the path to join EXP, do this. You can text the word EXP to 31996. 
or just text me directly at 512-758-0206 and just say EXP. You want to talk about EXP and you and I will have a one-on-one call. But the first thing you should really do is text the word EXP to 31996. If you want to go on the fast track, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. So you choose. If you want to you know, get on the phone with me and have a one-on-one conversation about EXP, if you're you know, 75-80% sure you're ready to join, uh, and obviously if you're not talking with anyone else from EXP already, you just want to essentially have all your final questions answered and move forward, let's have a conversation. I give priority to those calls. 512-758-0206. For the rest of you who are just getting ready to get started thinking about it, go ahead and just text the word EXP to 31996. This is an absolute must-do for every single one of you. If you even think there's a chance that going to next year, economic times are going to be significantly harder. Brokerages, I want you to really make sure that you're not making the mistake that, frankly, Julie and I did that you're not believing that somehow this is going to be a uh, disgraceful exit out of you owning your own brokerage. It's not. It's a graceful exit for you to go to the next evolution of your brokerage. And that goes for teams as well. You know, one of the nice things about eXp, I talk with brokerages every week. I don't even know how many I talked to last week. Brokerages are going to be the next big surge of people joining eXp. Mm-hmm. I understood that there were almost 200 brokerages that converted to eXp last year. Um, but you keep your brand. When you're at EXP, if you're a team, if you're an individual agent especially, if you're a broker, they don't want you to become, it's not a franchise, they don't want you to become EXP. They want you to become you know, Tim and Julie Harris's real estate team uh, brokered by EXP. They want you to become Harris Real Estate brokered yes. by EXP. That's that, one of the coolest things that they is. do is they don't force you to lose your own identity. Right. I think that's huge. And in fact, the more I, you know, there's always new stuff that, that they're innovating. And the more that I learn uh, about new programs and, and things that agents can get. The more I think it's actually irresponsible not to know more about EXP and seriously consider it because uh, one of our friends said, you know, if, if you've got an agent and their spouse isn't in real estate and their spouse knew about EXP, boy, wouldn't that be a discussion if you weren't actually pursuing it? Yep. Just things like, you know, just take a Matterport. Everybody's having to go to Matterport for all of their, their stuff and then you get a better, you know, program from that. Little things that add up. I, but I do think it's almost malpractice to be making dumb financial decisions when you know about such a great solution. So just explore it. I, I know some of you guys are busy doing transactions. Hopefully all of you are busy feeling like the market's returned. But trust your coach or maybe we're your future coaches that there's going to be a rounding of the bend in the economy that's going to happen towards the end of this year. So please, 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 I beg all of you, do not sign yourselves up for unnecessary financial suffering. At least look at EXP. Get your mind wrapped around what it is because here's a little <laughs> a truism. Uh, Jay Kinder, my friend, said this, and it's so true. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Hmm. Once you get it, once you understand the genius of what EXP is, is from an agent's perspective, you can't unsee it. And I tried to unsee it before we got involved. You know, true. I did, and I couldn't. I couldn't get it out of my head. It became an obsessive thought until I really decided. You know, Julie and I decided to move forward with it because it just makes total sense. It makes me excited for all of you to discover what we discovered. Um, and what essentially will be, for all of you who choose for it to be, a true source of financial freedom. You know, we call it libertas. Libertas means freedom. So if you're ready to have a serious conversation about EXP, I want you to text me directly at 512-758-0206. 
512-758-0206. In the meantime, um, Julie, anything you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend? Well, I hope that, you know, our telling of various stories and bringing you bizarro news occasionally causes you to think bigger and differently and gets you perhaps away from watching, you know, whatever your news channel is and stepping away from the drama. Even if you just allow yourself that one day a week like we do on Sundays, I think you're going to have a better mental outlook and you're going to clear out a lot of the, the horrible cobwebs that can be building up through just the weirdness of the year. It's your job to put on your own oxygen mask first, to take care of yourself, your family, then your clients and customers and go out from there. And if you're not doing that, you've got to start with yourself. So take a breath. You know, it, I, I think it really helps to just get out of that zone a little bit. So that's what we try to do on our Sunday show. And hopefully we can be entertaining in the process. So happy birthday to my mom. Yes, happy she birthday, turns 80. Rosemary. We're, we're going to take uh, Rosemary down to the beach. We uh, Julie and Zoe made her a very nice, uh, her favorite chocolate cake. Chocolate with we chocolate try, icing. Are we going to try to take that down? We should. I don't know. I'm afraid it'll melt, but maybe. Yeah, it probably will melt. Well, it'll be good. we're going to take her down. Might give her a glass of Chardonnay. Yeah. You're a little boozed up. I know. You know what? What a great thing to become 80, though. How about come 80 living here? I know. I was talking to her about that. I said, I bet Rosemary of, you know, this is one of those past rosemary did past rosemary of even 70 think that she'd be you know living out her golden years helping to raise her granddaughter on a caribbean island yeah i know (laughs) it's amazing not but uh, good for her for being flexible and versatile and you know i do get truthfully i have learned a lot from my mom about from being flexible and versatile because i mean how many people her age she's had to be but how many people her age would have not even considered doing what she's done i know it's amazing and she doesn't even think about it she's like I, you know, she got her passport. She wants to go to Italy. You know, she yep. wants to go to France. She wants to travel. She wants to do, you know, she hears us, Julie and I, reminiscing about these adventures we've had. She wants to have them, too. She didn't have them. She the was, Vatican. you know, she wants to go to the Vatican, right? I mean, we went to the Vatican years ago, and we brought her back some beads that were blessed by the Pope, and she cherishes those, but she wants to get her own. I mean, the whole thing, you know, it's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, happy birthday to Rosemary. Yes, happy birthday, Rosemary. All right. So, in the meantime, you guys have your own strange, wonderful adventures <laughs> on Sunday. Sunday. Allow yourselves the um, freedom to step away from the news, step back into, you know, what matters most. And yeah, embrace the wacky because it makes life more interesting. (laughs) You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.